Welcome to the show. Happy, what, Wednesday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm Pete Callender. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110 are the phone numbers. You can also email Pete at the Pete Callender Show. You can also hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender. Um, so the big news out of the Mecklenburg Board of County Commissioners meeting last night was their approval of the non-discrimination ordinance, a.k.a. the NDO. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, <laughs> this actually, uh, I this was obviously going to pass. Everybody knew it was going to pass the Mecklenburg Board of County Commissioners, completely controlled by Democrats. It's also um, not a particularly controversial item anymore, right? It may have been five years ago. Just like the Defense of Marriage Act was something that Democrats used to uh, sign on to, now they do not. And so this was not uh, going to uh, re- face any you know, substantial uh, opposition. And uh, so they unanimously approved this. This according to the Charlotte Observer story last night. When I read that, I thought that's interesting. Unanimously approved it because I watched the meeting. Okay, I watched five of the six hours of the meeting last night. I finally had to go to sleep. I finally uh, bailed, uh, and I did not catch the end. But I woke up this morning and watched the final hour, because that's what I do. You're welcome. I am a giver. I'm a giver. So uh, Mecklenburg County Commissioners unanimously approved an expansion of the county's NDO in order to protect LGBTQ people, which... I'm thinking now we need to protest Will Wright and the Charlotte Observer for limiting the LGBTQ acronym to only those letters, right? I think those, I think the acronym has grown substantially in recent, well, probably days at this point. It does change pretty often. So um, I just, and I don't know what the rules are. If you make a good faith effort to list all of the acronym, uh, Letters, does that, I mean, does is that the equivalent of the blood smear over the door and the mob shall pass you by? Is that the idea? If you make a good faith effort or, or do we just divine your motives based on like your party registration, something like that? Like, oh my gosh, that person's a registered Republican. So if they say LGBTQ, then they get canceled. We have to fire them. I don't know. I just, I need to know. This is why I have long proposed um, and by uh, and, and so look, this is my idea. It's totally my idea. Now, if somebody wants to do all of the, the legwork, the research, the, the coding, the programming and everything else, and then I'll just take credit for it, um, have at it, which is a constantly updating app. Right. Because at first years ago, it was a book. I thought, hey, let's have a book and it would tell you what the rules are as they change and they could just issue you know updates. But then with the rise of apps and everything like well, we could just do an app and it would just tell us in real time when something is or isn't allowed. And this is, especially nowadays, this is particularly helpful because it will, you know, like one day it's not okay to follow somebody into a bathroom, and then the very next day it is okay to follow them into the bathroom. But then, you know, a couple hours later, it's not okay anymore. So then it could go back. And so you could just be constantly getting updates to the app. It would be a little annoying. You'd have to turn that thing on to automatic updates because if you had to manually update that app, like that would be annoying. So, yeah, if you want to go create that thing and then I will, you know, 
I will I'll share the I'll share the profits. It'll be like a how about like a 70-30 split. 30 for, uh, 30% for you, 70 for me. I think that's fair. It is my idea after all. And uh anyway, so uh the LGBTQ people and people who wear natural hairstyles now are going to get protections. A major development in a years-long battle over gay and transgender rights in North Carolina. Now don't worry, conservatives, Republicans, uh, MAGA supporters, uh, Trump supporters, don't worry. Uh, you are still allowed to be targeted. I know you were worried that these laws might apply to you, and no, they don't. Don't worry. You are still able to be fired for political uh, affiliation because that's not discrimination. Okay, the ordinance prohibits discrimination for these newly protected groups at employers of every size. This was the uh, the amendment that was run last night to make it apply to every single business instead of those with a certain number of employees, like larger. Um, so they made it apply to everybody. Uh, in addition, it prohibits discrimination in a, in a wide range of public settings. With the vote, Mecklenburg County is now on track to become the 13th local government to expand its local NDO this year. Commissioners will need to take another final vote before the expanded ordinance becomes law. Don't worry, I'm going to get back to the unanimous vote and why that struck me as odd so in 2016 uh the observer uh, helpfully points out that there was an ndo expansion in charlotte the state legislature then passed house bill two and that law uh aside from you know doing the bathroom portion uh also prevented local governments from expanding their own ndos and since the expiration of house bill two and House Bill 142, which is 140 times better than HB2, supposedly. Um, now you got a bunch of local jurisdictions that are passing their own NDOs, but none of them have the bathroom component, which actually was the whole problem and what prompted HB2 in the first place. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So... The Mecklenburg Board of County Commissioners last night voted on their NDO, the non-discrimination ordinance, and according to the Charlotte Observer, and I confirmed with the uh, the clerk, uh, the clerk's office earlier today, that it was in fact a unanimous decision, a unanimous decision, which is kind of weird to me, because I was watching, and not every member voted. All right, I'm going to get back to that. First, I mentioned HB2 because the Charlotte Observer mentioned HB2. And yesterday, coincidentally, um, well, I shouldn't say yesterday, two days ago, Monday it started, where there was all of this excitement around a fellow who's running for Congress. He is a state representative. He put out an ad, and his name is Charles Graham, and he put out an ad. And, oh, my gosh, the folks on the left uh, and the media, but I repeat myself, they're, like, swooning over this. Like, where are the fainting couches? Bring them in, stat. Because this ad, it's got almost 5 million views. They love this guy. He's going to run. He is running in District 9, so he wants to challenge Dan Bishop, the Republican incumbent, right, also a former state lawmaker. So here is the ad. I think I think this will play. Uh, I'm just running it right off of the Twitter machine here. He says, uh, I'm running. Let me see. If this will, oh, he says, as a legislator, 
I don't play politics. I study, listen, and vote my conscience. Those values are absent in Washington today, and it's tearing us apart. I'm running as a Democrat to represent North Carolina's 9th District in the U.S. Congress and finally mend our divided spirits, okay? So here is the ad that got the left into full swoon mode. Here we go. When I was a young boy, the KKK announced a night rally in my home county. A cross burning with hundreds of Klansmen to terrorize the blacks and Lumbee. We were a poor farming community, black, white, and Indian. My parents and grandparents were sharecroppers like many. The police chief warned the Grand Dragon, these people don't want your trouble. The Klansmen called us mongrels, half-breeds, and told him the Klan would show him how to handle people like us. That night, they rolled in with their cars, their crosses, and a single light bulb hooked to a car battery. 50 Klansmen. Not a bad turnout on a night. Problem is, they were surrounded by 400 Lumbees. Seminoxendine had been a tail gunner in a B-29 during the war. By the way, let me just pause for a second there. Uh, 50 Klan and 400 Lumbee and uh, other members of the community. And he just mentioned a fellow by the name of Oxendine, whose daughter is now, I believe this is the uh, relationship, is uh, on the state school board and has been fighting the critical race theory stuff. She's a Republican. Okay. Verdia Locklear was four months pregnant. Neil Lowry was the local barber. Hundreds of normal folks deciding to stand together against ignorance and hate. Lowry shot out the light. The Klansmen scattered. By the time the sheriff arrived to fish them out of the swamp, the press was running with the story. The Battle of Hayes Pond, where one town beat the Klan. A piece of forgotten history worth remembering, especially today. In Washington, lies turn to violence. All right, and so now he's showing the January 6th riot. And the biggest lie is that America is at war with itself. That you can't trust your neighbor. That they want something that's yours. That you must live in fear of them. Here's the Tiki Torch March in Charlottesville. Here's the guy in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, walking out of his mansion with the uh, uh, with the AR-15. And his wife, you know, that famous during the Black Lives Matter march through their gated community that they broke into. Right. But the people who stood up at Hayes Pond refused to be afraid. I grew up with their story. And the lesson is human dignity is a human right. When I started teaching special needs children in the 80s, they had almost no rights in our schools. So I spent 30 years fighting the system to recognize their humanity. And as a legislator, I don't play politics. I study, I listen, and I vote my conscience. I'm Charles Graham, and I'm running for Congress because sometimes we're called upon to put things right, like Hayes Pond in 1958 and America Today, where access to affordable health care is still out of reach to many families, where the Sand Hills face the highest unemployment rates in the country, and our veterans return from war, seeking opportunities and finding none. These folks didn't set out to make history. They just answered a neighbor's call. It happened here before, and now it's our turn. And then he's got to say, you know, uh, uh, learn more about the Battle of Hayes Pond, this and that. And look, everyone loves a good story. It's a good story. And Democrats want to adopt it as if it's a Democrat story because he's a Democrat. Slight problem. Slight problem. 
he voted for HB2. <laughs> and Democrats have just realized this over the last 24 hours. <laughs> so they spent <laughs> they spent the first day celebrating him. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Now, mind you, Charles Graham, not exactly a reliable vote for the Democrat in all cases, uh, particularly on some of these social issues. And Democrats are now uh, nationally, they're now realizing this, what folks in North Carolina and his district already knew. Also, I wonder if his run for Congress is sort of an admission that he's probably going to get primaried by a leftist. He's from Robinson County. But then again, uh, maybe the redistricting draws him completely out. Maybe he... Maybe he's done. I don't know. But he's running for U.S. Congress now, and the Democrats are now very upset because he had a really great ad, but he voted for HB2. (laughs) So they don't know what to do. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So the Mecklenburg County Commissioners unanimously approved a non-discrimination ordinance to protect LGBTQ people and people who wear natural hairstyles. And I thought this was interesting. It's a unanimous vote. I'll tell you why. I found that to be curious in a minute. First, let me go over here to Dave. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. We are we are so glad that uh, BC fucked you back out of the uh, San Francisco of the, the East <laughs> up there from Asheville. Um, what's the candidate's name there you played the clip? Char- oh. Yeah, Charles Graham. Okay, so, you know, what he doesn't, what they neglect, it's an important part of that story is that I bet you, I bet you $100 that every one of those Klansmen were good old Southern Democrats. They don't. They'll leave that out of the story. Oh yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good point. Right. It's, that's that's likely. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's more than likely, considering that virtually everybody was a registered Democrat oh, in North Carolina. That, for, that was right before. That was right before everybody flipped parties. Right, right. right, that, right. that big exodus from you know Klansmen to the to the right. That right. Happened. They all became Republicans because yeah, yeah. of uh, yeah. the Civil Rights Act that Republicans voted for. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just right before the Civil Rights Act in 1964. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Great point, Dave. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks, man. I okay. appreciate the call. I did think he said something different than plucked. I did. You did, too, I think. <laughs> anyway, thank you for the call and for the kind words. I appreciate it, Dave. Um, all right, so let me get to this. County Commission. Here's why I thought there was something wrong with this framing of the vote as unanimous. Well, I shouldn't say that I thought something was wrong with it. I, I had questions. So I emailed to the uh, the county commission, the board of county commissioners, the clerk's office, and I said, uh, hey, looking for some meeting minutes. And I totally forgot that you, they don't post the minutes until they're approved by the board. But then again, they haven't posted any of the minutes for any meetings dating all the way back to March. So I don't know why they're not posted, but whatever. Um, and I was just curious because there was an issue that came up about a month ago. Do you remember the issue that came up about a month ago with the County commission specifically about who's voting and how they're voting? Yeah. Uh, County commissioner, Ella Scarborough, that apparently her daughter voted in her place during one of these meetings. And 
because Ellis Scarborough is not on camera. And all last night, as I watched five hours of this meeting, she never got on the mic that I heard once. I listened to as many of the votes as I was as I could pay attention to, right? I mean, some of them were, I mean, just some of the stuff is just eye-glazing. And it doesn't matter. I, I'm listening. Every time they're taking a vote, I'm listening for her. They call out her name. There is no answer. So I don't know who's voting for her. Or if she's voting. She never said yay or nay to any vote that I heard. I could be wrong on that. But I went back and watched this particular vote, and she did not she did not state her position, so I'm not sure why they're calling it unanimous. Unless, of course, see, there are rules for governing bodies, and like, for example, I think this was the case in Charlotte for a very long time. I'm not sure what the rule is in the county, but it seems like this might be the case, is that if you show up and you're present at the beginning of the meeting, then you count as a yes vote for the rest of the meeting. This... Like and and sometimes they would do this sort of thing if there was a tight vote that like on the city council they needed somebody to be there or not to be there or whatever they could go in they could be present and then they had to you know, but then they had to leave or something right so there were all these different ways that they could kind of game the rules right and I'm wondering if her not stating anything just goes down as a yay vote in every case. Is that always the case? I don't know. That's why I was kind of curious to see these previous minutes and now to go back and compare, is she actually voting yay or nay on these items? Are these votes being recorded as yays or nays if she's not speaking? How is the how are these votes working? Because what we learned a few weeks ago was that Somebody voted for her. Apparently, it was her daughter, I guess. She's 75 years old. And according to the Charlotte Observer story at the time, it's the latest incident that has called Scarborough's mental fitness into question. So people are apparently discussing whether or not she's capable of continuing on as a county commissioner. But because everyone on the board are Democrats, or everyone is a Democrat, then I guess we can just have these conversations offline in private and nobody wants to talk about this in public, even though, as I understand it, right, she was the top votainer. I hate the term vote-getter. Votainer. She was the top votainer in the election. So what's going on here? Well, last night there was an effort to uh, get people, get county commissioners on camera during the votes. So this was a motion made by Commissioner Laura Meyer. Uh, Take a listen. I think we need to address adopting a policy that during virtual meetings, we have our cameras on during introductions, votes, and while we are speaking. The public should see us. They see us in in meetings. Um, I don't know what the difference would be. So we are all issued the same laptop with video capabilities. So we are all even on that score. When at home during these virtual times, it is understandable to turn off our cameras for a whole host of reasons. I do it myself. Often we are, we are in back-to-back meetings all day long, some of us from 1.30 to 10 p.m. And it's obvious we need camera breaks. 
But for the occasions I just listed, I think we need to have our cameras on. The reason for the policy is so that we are all clear. If we just have an understanding, I'm not so sure we wouldn't go back to where we are now. Um, for me, this is a trust issue between the public and us. I would like to make a motion that this board adopt a policy to have our cameras turned on for at least introductions, votes, and when we are speaking. Okay, so introductions, votes, and when we are speaking. Now, the only person I'm aware of who doesn't have their camera on throughout the entire meeting um, is Ella Scarborough. During votes, it's Ella Scarborough. But Vilma Leek, I saw a couple weeks ago, she was on camera, but last night she was not. So she took this as a personal attack against her. She's a District 5 representative. She made a motion that, hey, you know what? During these virtual meetings, uh, from now on, I think you should have to have your camera on during uh, the introductions, during the uh, any time when you're speaking, and when you are voting. And Vilma Leek, who did not appear on camera the entire evening, although you could hear her saying things under her breath and coughing, <laughs> you know, when other people are talking, um, so apparently she does not know how to use the mute button, or I think maybe she's not allowed to use the mute button. I think like someone else has to mute the various commissioners. So um, Commissioner Leak said this attempt is obviously targeting her, and she refuses to be on camera uh, for these meetings. And I've been on this board now, going on 10 years, and people are just getting here. No disrespect. I'm saying what is. All right, that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter, though. Vilma Leek likes to start off her speeches with irrelevant things in order to get people mad before she... Uh, it's it's her... It, that's, I've said this before. This is her M.O., right? She, she takes these shots at people constantly, and then she plays victim. The second thing is there are those of us who had threatening letters sent to us and had to have prote- protection by the police, and we live alone and the fear, and I have a concern about that for me and myself. There's no law saying that you can make me cut on a camera or be before camera. As long as I'm at this meeting, I'm here. All I have to do is vote for myself and sign the forms down at the election board. The state law does not address any of this. Right, right. So I'm very much concerned about why now? Is it because of the fear that a daughter responded? Oh. Oh. Nobody said a word about it until that happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about when that happened and what my safety will be. I can't speak for you. I'm speaking for Vil Malik. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to support it. And you can't do anything to me about it because we'll have a lawsuit. Uh, well, they can actually. Uh, they can pass a policy that requires it, um, and that would be on the board, right? The board policy would determine that. Now, if you refuse to oblige, now that gets into the question of what kind of punishment penalties exist, and they would have to have something like that built into the policy too. And this was one of the uh, concerns raised or questions raised by uh, County Commissioner Mark Gerald or Jarrell, uh, from District 4. He pointed out, like, what's the enforcement? What are the penalties? That sort of thing. Um, Next up, Commissioner Elaine Powell defended this proposal. We have the capability to change the background. Right. Um, Yeah, by the way, uh, you can do this. There's a setting, and it, it blurs out all the background. Although I'm not really sure what exactly is the safety 
concern if you're on camera. I don't get that. So that everyone is safe because I have a lot of respect for safety requirements um, for us. Okay. But just to talk about this, I think is really important. To me, there is nothing more important than public trust. Nothing. It's a bare minimum expectation that you be able to see your elected leader and to know they're there while you're voting. We cannot endorse and have behind the curtain Wizard of Oz type meetings where you only hear a voice during a vote that will impact more than 1.1 million people. Yeah, and she's so, right. You know, this we need to have dialogue about this. Yeah, you can't just be a voice voting behind a screen. Like we need to be able to see our leaders. And um, that concludes my comments. Yeah. Thank you. That's the vice chair, Elaine Powell from District 1. And I agree. She's exactly correct. And this is coming up now because you had the daughter of Ella Scarborough apparently vote for her at a meeting. And last night, Scarborough did not register a single vote by voice that I heard. Now, maybe she was voting on the keyboard, but this also raises a bunch of questions. And the county commission is apparently uninterested in addressing this in an honest, open way, so I'm left to dissect their words like I'm doing. Commissioner Pat Cotham, though, opposed this. We are not accountable to each other. We are accountable to the people, mm-hmm. to the voters, and they ultimately decide. And um, so I, I, I am struggling with this a lot. And I certainly have been on the end of, of some of my colleagues voting against me participating ah. when I asked um, to to participate remotely. Uh-huh. And it's not a good feeling. There you go. It's not a good feeling. And so. I, I, I agree with what Commissioner Jarrell just said, that if something happens, whether the technology doesn't work or there's a crisis or something, that a commissioner should be able to, it shouldn't be up to another commissioner to give permission. Uh, again, I, we are not accountable to each other. We're only each accountable to our voters and some of you have district voters most of you do and then three of us have the whole county but that's they decide they decide um they also decided in the last election that one of the members who has been remote was the top vote getter commissioner scarborough uh votainer just want to throw that in there votainer and it all i i think we i i Somebody needs to say, and I will say it, that since we've been doing remote, it's typically been Commissioner Lake and Commissioner Scarborough who have not been on camera. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is pointed at them. That is my personal opinion. Okay. I agree. I totally agree. Ella Scarborough, probably the target here because apparently her daughter voted for her and she's never on camera and there are questions about her mental fitness for office. So absolutely, she's one of the targets. Vilma Leake. I suspect she's being targeted as well because um, she's kind of nasty to her colleagues and they don't like her. Like, seriously, like uh, some of this stuff is really that simple. It's that obvious. And I suspect Pat Cotham here, uh, what she initially said was like she's been on the receiving end of her colleagues not wanting her to participate remotely. So she's going to oppose this because she wants to be able to do this, I guess, at some point in the future, too. But then I think she goes a little overboard here. And they are. Senior citizens, yeah. they're African-American leaders, 
and they're both living legends. Oh, all right. Okay, hang on a second. All right, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm with you on senior citizens. Yes, they're both African-Americans, but living legends? I mean, maybe you can make the case for Ella Scarborough, but let's take a listen. Does she? And they have done amazing work for decades, and I feel like this is a little too close to being personally against them because they are the only ones who have chosen to um, not be on camera. And I, I think that we need to remember who, who we work for. We work for the people. And I have not heard overwhelming complaints about this. And just like the, our chairman said, the voters get their say on election day. And they can they put us in here and they can take us out. But I, I am I feel there's, there's Vilma laughing. I am very uncomfortable with this, and uh, we are not our bro- we are not our, bro- our brother and our sister's keeper. And I feel like it's personal to uh, Commissioner Leak and Commissioner Scarborough, and and again they are they are both living legends for decades in Mecklenburg County. And they both have accomplished so much. Commissioner Scarborough was the first African-American woman um, at at large on the city council. Commissioner Leak is overwhelmingly has done tremendous things. So Ella Scarborough, first black woman at large on city council. Vilma Leak, well, she's done some stuff, too. (laughs) All right. We'll get to your calls up next. 